The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. 365 days of the lockdown. It's been exactly a year uh, since South Africa first implemented its strict lockdown restrictions. Dr. Angelique Kutsia is the board chairperson at the South African Medical Association and joins us now. Dr. Kutsia, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy, and a good morning to all your listeners out there. You know, it's been a year of this. As South Africans, we've experienced it differently. Uh, we've been grappling with the lockdown restrictions and, you know, having to, to change behavior. Speak to me from the perspective of medical professions and what this past year has actually been like for you. So from a medical point of view, it was a really a roller coaster last 12 months. Um, we started with a virus of where we don't know anything. Um, it was new. It was new in the world. Um, luckily, South Africa was a bit lagged, a bit behind from the other first world countries, and we started to learn from them, from them um, uh, in, broad, in broad terms. But once when it hit our shores, uh, you need to understand. Even though you can learn from someone else, once if it if it hits you. It is a different um, scenery, as you now need to to make do with what you have. Um, we learned a lot uh, in the in the sense of the ventilation. Um, here I'm now talking about ventilation um, regarding um, whether you should put a patient, what we normally call the we, we tube them on the ventilator, or whether you should use high flow nasal oxygen. Um, it seems, um, especially in the second wave that high-flow nasal oxygen is more prudent and saves more lives than to be ventilated. And if you want to put a patient on on a ventilator, you need to make double sure that it's the right patient that you put onto that. Otherwise, you're in any case going to lose that patient. So, and we also learned the, the resilience of the medical doctors and the nursing staff working under extremely difficult conditions. Um, and, and trying their best to cope with infrastructure, especially in the public side hospitals, mm. um, that's poor, and the, and, the, and the private sector hospitals, again, lack, lack of properly trained staff and, um, in the ICUs, mm. also brought their own challenges. Doctors, they overworked. Half of them went on leave during December, um, putting also a lot of um, strain onto the ones that um, was left to do the work. So there's a lot of things. We learn about corruption. We learn how fast corruption can spread. And we learn how deep corruption ran into our especially healthcare sector. Mm. You've, you've talked about the kind of pressure that health professionals have had to face. And, you know, there's, there's the physical element of it where people are overwhelmed just because of the strain of the work that they need to do. But the, the other thing has also been the emotional strain that mm. doctors have also had to take. You know, one hears descriptions of doctors who are having to not just lose patients and see patients die, but on the daily basis, be the people that are telling these families who have last seen their loved ones either in the past week, in the past month, um, once, you know, they, the last time that they would have seen them was when they were taken into hospital and 
to be the ones to tell them that this person is not coming back because they are not with us and having to deal with the emotions on every single day. What has that been like? Kathy, you actually um, summed it up so well. It is disastrous. The impact of that on the average um, doctor and nurse, please remember it's the nurse as well that, that suffers through this. Um, the impact on that um, going forward will be um, anxiety disorders and major depression because it's the helplessness, um, the futility of everything and then it's just become overwhelmed. Um, it's, it's too much. You, you, you carry on, you do your work, you go home, you have to be careful that you don't get uh, your family infected if you um, perhaps has, has been a carrier. Um, so it's that stress, it's the stress of the work, it's the stress of the patients, it's the stress of the families. And um, I don't think that there is good enough programs, especially in the public sector, to help and alleviate these pressures that has been on the, on, on, on the healthcare workers. Also remember, um, that uh, there's no increase in salaries. So a lot of um, nursing and doctors are working in conditions where you are saying, you know, I work really, really very hard. Is it worth it? There's no increase in my salary. You know, I'm still struggling with infrastructure. There's not enough beds. There's not enough oxygen. What do I do? Is it easier for me to either immigrate or is it easier for me to go out of medicine, follow another career, um, or do I just have to fast bite until everything gets better? Is there hope that it can get better? For now, it's very, very, very difficult. And um, once if your depression is triggered or your anxiety is triggered by, by, by circumstances and you go back every day to the same circumstances, it becomes extremely difficult to treat it with medication. Um, we will normally tell the patient, change your environment. Um, if the environment is the, is the cause of your depression, but what do you do if you're a medical doctor? As I said, you can only leave, immigrate, or um, just hope for the best. And, and once that hope is gone, it's gone. Dr. Kutsia, it's such a real account of what medical workers have been going through over this this last year, um, uh, just across the board, I believe. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Angelique Kutsia. She's the board chairperson of the South African Medical Association. And one of the things that we'll also touch on will be this issue of, you know, doctors who are working increased hours, no salary increases, and now they'll also have to contend with higher operational fees. And uh, we'll find out what the impact of that is going to be. Of course, I'll also be taking your calls for this conversation, 011-714-2006. If you're in the medical sector, I'd really love to hear from you as well. And the WhatsApp line to use is 0614-104-107. You can send your messages and WhatsApp voice notes on that number and on social media on twitter it's at sfm radio the hashtag there sfm talking point hashtag sfm talking point 
We're reflecting on a year of the lockdown and uh, we are joined by Dr. Angelique Gutzia, who is the board chairperson at the South African Medical Association. Uh, Dr. Gutzia, I just wanted us, before we get into, you know, just the the issues uh, around the uh, compensation for, for healthcare workers, With the incoming students, so your student doctors, your student nurses, some of those who are doing interns, have you been able to look at what the impact of those who entered the system in this past year has been and and the retention rate of of these young doctors? So what, what is important to understand is that these interns are actually supposed to work under supervision. They're not supposed to work on their own. They're not supposed to take um, responsibility for any um, COVID-19 patients. And they're there under the training um, as as part of their study. So um, it's the same for the nurses. So for for young interns to be able to work on their own or to manage these patients without supervision um, would be unethical. And it's against the HPCSA um, uh, guidelines, um, so in regulations. So they cannot. Um, but we know that it happens, and we do ask and, and did ask our interns, if that happens, please alert us, because they cannot. It's virtually someone that you take out that was um, still uh, the previous year um, studying and putting them into a, a, a environment that um, is highly difficult to, to, to manage um, if, you, if you are inexperienced. So there's no experience on these youngsters. They, they should not be allowed to, um, to work in those facilities on their own without mm-hmm. supervision, without someone ha- holding their hand. These COVID-19 cases, even for us, who is, for me, I'm more than 33 years uh, general practitioner, I've got a lot of um, experience. Uh, it's not even always dif- uh, easy for me to, admark- to, to um, diagnose those patients, mm-hmm. let alone someone with adult experience. Mm-hmm. It should not happen. One of the things that we we saw was these cases of medical negligence. And I wonder how much attention has been paid to it or even will be given to it in future, where we have people who lost their lives due to, you know, doctors who were so tired, they forgot to connect one tube to another. Somebody forgot to switch on this machine. Uh, somebody forgot to do uh, connect this tube to, to something else. And, and we, we've been increasingly hearing about that. Uh, but I guess because of just the scale of, of the problem that the country is being faced, um, it, not much is being said about it. You're right, Kathy. You're absolutely right. So from Somerset, um we, we um, were worried about this since last year. So we had um, conversations with the medical profession, uh, the, the MPS, Medical um, uh, Indemnity Society, um, we also escalated this to the minister, and um, we, wrote, we wrote two letters. We're still waiting for any response. We didn't receive any response from them. And where we said we, we need to sit and we need to look at this um, because we are thinking that there will be another floodgate opening um, once this pandemic is, um, is, is gone. And, you know, a case can, can take up to three years before you can be taken to court or um, you can go, to, you know, someone can take you to the um, Health Professionals Council. 
So again, um, for now, what we're um, urging our members is to make sure that you do proper notes. Even if you are tired, you need to make a proper note. You need to make sure that your clinical notes um, are good. And if you have forgotten to do something, just write it down and, and say how you, how you, how, what did you do to rectify the process? Because that's the only thing that will save you going forward until um, National Department of Health had not come up with a regulation trying to help um, these doctors um, at the front line. You know, it, it just presents so many different layers of things that have happened during this pandemic. And we're now approaching Easter and, you know, there are these warnings of, of a third wave. And one wonders if we have learned or are learning the lessons to ensure that should we experience a third wave of, 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 of a surge of infections, we'll be able to do better in, in saving people's lives? Very, very good question. Um, the experience that we have is we understand from the medical society and the medical perspective and doctor perspective, we understand where the problems is lying. We identified them. We mm. know what needs to be done. But if there's no political will or if there are people um, uh, in um, positions with uh, not a lot of experience do not and don't understand what needs to be done, it mm. becomes extremely difficult. It becomes frustrated. So... Um, you know, uh, I've said this ex ex explain, explain for me, Doctor Kutsia, what do you, what do you mean? So, give me a, a practical um, okay, a so example that that we can use. So, um, for example, from Sama side, um, when um, the pro the problem arose in the KwaZulu Natal and in the Eastern Cape, we alerted the MEC of, from both provinces. Uh, beginning of December, that they are sitting with a crisis. Uh, at that stage, KwaZulu Natal was still moving into the crisis. Um, Eastern Cape already had the crisis. We need to meet with you. We need to help you. We were then um, from the the MEC in KwaZulu Natal made it very clear that Tama doesn't know what they are talking about mm. and that they are in charge. And they were never in charge. And, and and then it hit them. But we have warned them, and they never met with us. The same with the the Eastern Cape. Um, you, but we all know the problems now, what, what arises in the Eastern Cape. We've got a lot of uh, letters from our members in the Eastern Cape telling us that the healthcare services virtually is non-existing in the Eastern Cape. Mm -hmm. So I did write a letter now to the Premier of the Eastern Cape, and we got uh, two days ago, and it was acknowledged yesterday, so we're waiting for a, a meeting. Um, from. Uh, it becomes extremely difficult if the MECs that is in charge of the hospital doesn't um, think that, you know, there's a problem and keep on making as if uh, you are, um, I I'll always love to, to use the term stupid. If you're stupid, you're ignorant, mm. what do you mm. know? Um, so so the premiers are higher than the MEC. So now from Somerset, we're now trying to go to the premiers and see whether we can fix this problem. So it doesn't matter how many times you're telling them that there's a problem. If I deny it, and this is the political problems that we are talking about, mm. if I deny it, how do you fix it? Except being going out in the media, 
and then it, it becomes sort of a mudslanging type of thing, which is also not good for the, for the profession. There have been big concerns as a result of this frustration that you're pointing to for just ordinary health workers that we are going to see an exodus of health professionals out of this country because people are simply at their wit's end. They they, they love their jobs. They, they want to be able to make a difference. But the, the, the daily routine of going in and being frustrated with its resources, again, whether it's because of the politics that we know goes down even to hospital level that prevents them just from doing their job, it's just not worth it for them. It's true. It's not worth it. And you need to understand that the, the, the first world countries came with um, very good um, job offers. I'm aware that America or the United States um, sent out um, a, 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 a circular where they tell, so said to the doctors, please, you don't need to get a green card. We will help you. We will assist you. Please come um, with mm. your qualifications and come over and come and work. Um, the same happens in, um, so in, in England. Um, we know they're not supposed to do markets in our countries, mm. but doctors find ways around it. Um, we have lost quite a lot of specialists um, in, the, in this uh, past or mm. past few months um, because these skills are, are, are needed everywhere else. And if if your own government or your own country doesn't recognise your skills, then they will leave the country. And and you know also very difficult under the political climate where where um, if you are a good, very well qualified and mm. um, there is a BEE type of thing, it becomes difficult. Uh, so those guys just leave. And uh, we are going to sit with people that uh, that's not um, so, well, that doesn't have all those experience. And um, the knowledge, once the knowledge is out, you cannot expect to get knowledge back in, in, in three or four or five years. Knowledge doesn't come you know, knowledge is experience. Mm, mm, so the more mm. experienced people we are losing, whether it's doctors, whether it's nurses, whether it's um, occupational therapists, whether it's physios, the the more um, in danger we are going to be going forward um, well, of getting good health care. Remember, we want NHI to come in. We are saying that universal health coverage needs to be there and it should be outcomes-based. Um, people should get good quality service, but who is going to give the service if your people with experience is leaving the country? Mm. The issue of the salaries and the fact that there's been this freeze in particular on uh, the public sector wages, what impact do you think that's going to have on health workers? Exactly the same. So um, I got a letter yesterday from a doctor, um, this is not, not even the salaries, he's very upset about the HBCSA increase um, only for the medical and dental doctors. Mm. Um, and said, listen, I'm going to work overseas. Remember, you can still go and work overseas six months, working overseas six months back in the country, and mm. then you can do locums. And very, very upset. Our doctors, young doctors, very upset and say, we should, uh, you sh- we should ask our doctors not to pay the HBCSA f- fees because of the increase, as they haven't got any increases in the public sector. But unfortunately, we cannot do that. We cannot advise our doctors not to pay. They just got dissolved with the have disastrous. Um, so, uh, so, 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 Doctor, could you just explain what are these fees for? 
Well, this is our regulatory body, mm. the HPCSI, so we need to pay a yearly fee um, to be on the, to be registered. Those um, registration number of yours, we call it an MP number if you're a medical practitioner, um, is extremely important. Without that, you cannot practice in the country, and mm. without that, um, the medical schemes will not pay you either. So you have to have a practice number and a medical um, uh, 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 MP number. So, um, we, so you have to do that. Um, so, since um, the last two years, um, we now have seen an increase um, of 21% previous year and this year um, 15%. So, it's nearly 30, 36% increase. And we are also asking where is this money going, um, um, as there is no increase in the salaries from the the, the, the public sector. And mm-hmm. remember, the increase in the in the for the medical doctors from the private sector from the from most of the medical schemes was around about three percent so three percent on 350 rand is is really virtually nothing um and those guys um you know if you get a better um offer to go and to go and work overseas i can promise you a lot of the doctors is going to take it All right, I'm going to take a couple of WhatsApp voice notes. And I think that's just, you know, that's a fair reflection of the state that our health sector is in right now. Uh, Let me play these WhatsApp voice notes and then we'll get ready to wrap up our conversation with Dr. Kutsia. Morning, Kathy. Does the lady you're speaking to have statistics on the doctors and nurses that have left? I think we can't just be throwing out... um, things that are not facts. If there are people that have left, you should tell us how many. And at the same time, it's also good that people leave because we need to create employment. There are a lot of people sitting at home with these qualifications and it's also their chance to come in. Thanks a lot, Jay. Hi, Katie and the listeners. Look, let me try and motivate the learned doctor there that, you know, before they become disillusioned and before they give up and become hopeless because of lack of support and everything. They must think of the people that have been bearing with the situation, who have been not been employed for quite some time, who are not employed now. Some of them are 350 grants recipients. Some of them are even struggling to get those 350 rents. But they are family people. They have been in this situation for years. Now, please, 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 we need them to bear with the situation. We must all have hope. You know, we can't now start to look for things, I mean, to be demotivated by things like increase, salary increase, no support, when other people are living day in, day out, year in, year out, with the worst situation. But however, I can please, they must just bear with the situation. People burning buildings, you know, for salary increase. Salary increase. When people have nothing to eat, you get them paid about Let me go to Zaza quickly in Cape Town. Zaza, good morning. Good yeah, morning, Kevin. You know what? Earlier on, uh, you were talking to another lady about corruption, right? Mm. Uh, I didn't agree with everything that she said, but the reason why there's so much corruption in this country. It's exactly what uh, your learned doctor is, is saying there. Mm. That everyone is motivated by money to do things. Do you understand? I mean, Cuba is one of the lowest paid doctors in the world. But, I mean, look at their health system.
But but Zaza, 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 the complaints of 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 workers in the healthcare sector have been yeah. broader than just money. It's not just about money. Their frustrations are not just about money. But she mentioned the issue of money. Yes, that's that's, my, that's, my, that's, but it, it's it, it's in relations to it's in relation to the fees that they have to pay that have been increased by fifteen percent, and they're asking why is there this increase when we know that doctors have taken such a knock themselves financially over the past year? Because remember, lots of general p- practitioners weren't really seeing as many patients because many of them were staying away uh, from from um, from their practices. But, but do you know that our doctors are some of the highest paid in the continent, right? If, if not the highest paid in the continent. Mm, mm, they, no. are, they, are, they, are, they are well paid, South African doctors. So, so, so basically, you, you don't see the issue of, of money being something that should be, should be forming part of their grievance list? I totally disagree with that. Okay. All right, Zaza. Thanks for the call. Zaza out in Cape Town. Uh, Dr. Kutsia, unfortunately, I don't have that much time uh, left. So if you can just wrap up for me, perhaps your closing remarks very briefly. I will quickly wrap up to you. So Mm. you're absolutely right. It's not about the money that they're getting paid. What we are trying to say is you're working in very, very difficult circumstances, very frustrating. You put your life every day in danger. And then um, your regulatory bodies are increasing fees. Everyone is increasing fees. The electricity is going up. Everything is going up, as my or, or as the other speakers um, alluded to. Uh, so, you know, they don't have nothing, and we are mindful of that. But it, it didn't go about the money. It goes about the circumstances around what is happening, um, the qualifications, um, and then. Uh, uh, um, you know, and the stats of, of how many people leave the country, you, you won't get that. Um, not even the HPCSA got that. But we know with, by word of mouth our doctors and that our doctors, that when they resign from Samad, giving them up, um, their reasons for immigrating. So, so we know that is happening. Yes, um, uh, we, are, we are mindful that there's not employed people. There's a lot of employment, unemployed people out there. And that at the end of the day becomes a medical problem again. It becomes a social problem. And those unemployed patients are sitting right in front of you. Um, they are extremely sick, but there's no money to treat them. Sure. Because the money went in the wrong direction. Dr. Angelique Kutsia, let's leave it there for this morning. Board Chairperson of the South African Medical Association. Utsilesa, we standing by with your latest news.